Okay, we are continuing our series called Sheepish, and there's a, uh, sorry, if you're in junior high, thank you, uh, if you're in junior high conversations, feel free to go to theater number four, and we have a short intro video uh, to start this morning. There we go. Yeah. Can I get an amen? Anybody uh, said those words here in the last uh, couple of weeks? Uh, other than yesterday or Friday, uh, that has been my prayer for quite a while. And, uh, and there's, there is a reason for this video. I'll come, to, come at, to that in a second. We're continuing a Sheepish. It's a series where we're looking at Psalm uh, 23. And to begin with, uh, I just want to read... Uh, from Psalm 23 uh, this morning. And so you can, let's read this together. Uh, so this is Psalm 23 from the New Living Translation. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. What a beautiful psalm. This psalm has been, um, you know, thousands, millions of people have encountered the psalm, uh, have memorized the psalm. It's uh, one, that I, one of probably the earliest scriptures that I learned as a boy. It's a, a psalm that you often hear. Sing on one sec. It's a psalm that you often hear uh, at, at funerals, uh, and because it's a psalm that describes life. It's a psalm that describes the ups and downs of life and the presence of God in the midst of seasons. And I want to talk a little bit about seasons this morning. Um, we've heard quite a bit about sheep, but uh, when we think of shepherds, you know, shepherds are, it's one of the oldest occupations beginning some 5,000 years ago. And it's not a desirable career. In fact, it's, it's one that typically people did not want. Uh, you know, when you read uh, the, about the life of David who wrote Psalm 23, he was the youngest of eight brothers. And there's a reason why he was the shepherd. We got any youngest siblings here? You guys had to do what your siblings didn't want to do. Amen. Uh, and this is a career that nobody wanted. So David got it. It's, it's a career that's lonely. You're out in the wilderness. You're not sleeping in your home or your, your home bed. You're finding shelter wherever you can. You're gone for long seasons at a time. 
And here in Psalm 20, 23, it begins with, the Lord is my shepherd. We've talked quite a bit already about what it means to be sheep, but the idea of God being a shepherd, that God would, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator himself would take on this idea of being a shepherd, that he would be one that would go into the wilderness with people. He would be one that would stay with people. He would be one that would leave his throne in heaven to come to earth. You know, Randall read that passage in Philippians this morning that he left heaven itself to become, take on the nature of a slave, a servant. This is the powerful image of God as a shepherd. And this morning we want to focus on uh, verse 4. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. When I walk through the darkest valleys, so there's three reasons why valleys valleys are the best way to lead a sheep. Uh, The idea is that this valley is where you have to go through to get to the mountaintop. And so uh, a shepherd would lead his sheep through the valleys. And the reason they would, they would go through the valleys, first of all, it's the easiest grade to climb. So when you climb up a mountain or if you mountain bike up a mountain, uh, if you hike up a mountain, uh, you know, some of you guys who are climbers might hit that rock face and go straight up, and that's fine, but that's not what sheep can do. And so a shepherd would take the sheep through the easiest grade, the easiest path to get up the mountain, which is through the valleys. The second reason why you would take them through the valleys is because it's a well-watered route. And the valleys uh, is where the water would come, where the rivers would flow, where the shepherd would know that a sheep could find fresh water. And because the water was there, it was also the place where there was the richest uh, food, the richest food source. Um, And so those are three reasons why a shepherd would lead his flock through the valleys. But going through the valleys had risks as well. There's coyotes, bears, wolves, cougars, and they would take shelter or they would, take, uh, they would hide in the broken cliffs and they would attack sheep. They would prey on flock. There were sudden storms and flash floods that would happen in the valleys. And sheep, if they become chilled, if they become wet, uh, the exposure can kill them in a very short time. They're thin-skinned creatures. They're easily susceptible to colds, pneumonia, and other respiratory complications, And so they're not like this, they don't have a great deal of fortitude to push through these types of seasons. So there's great risk when a shepherd would lead his flock through the valley. And the journey through the valley would coincide with the seasons of the year. And so what would happen in the wintertime, the shepherd would bring his sheep uh, back home, back to the farmyard. But as spring came... The, the, the shepherd would uh, lead the sheep outside of, uh, outside of the home, outside of the farmyard, and they would journey through the darkest valleys. And as, and as the season changed to summer, the snow would melt, and that would allow the, she- the shepherd to bring his flock up high onto the mountain range. They would stay on the mountain range throughout the summer season, and as fall would start to come, and as the snow would come, the shepherd would have to bring the flock back down the mountainside. They'd be forced back down uh, because of the season that they were in, back through the valley and back to the farmyard. 
And so this, this journey of seasons of going from home through the valley to the mountaintop and then back down would occur over and over and over again. And it was the shepherd that would lead the sheep through those seasons of life. And we're well acquainted with seasons as we saw in the beginning of the video. This child who's struggling with the winter season. I can resonate with that very deeply. And that's an older video and I found this one very recently uh, let, me, let me show you, show you one more of a child struggling uh, with the, the winter season going on too long. Okay. Tell me why you're crying. Because it's the wrong weather forecast. What do you mean by that? Why is it the wrong weather forecast? Because, because it's, um, 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 snowy. Cloudy and cold. And what should it be? Warm outside. Why? Because it's supposed to stay in spring and then it's warm outside spring. You want it to be warm outside already? Yeah. Okay. You told me it, it shouldn't be warm outside. I know. I did tell you it was going to be warm outside in the spring. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I promise it's going to get warm soon, okay? What? Why is it? But you know what? Why is it warm? Oh, man. When I saw that video, I was like, preach it. I, like, I, I agree, but, but I'm an adult, so I can't cry like that. But uh, I, I resonate with that so deeply, especially in a year like this where the winter just seems to go on forever. And as someone who loves being outside and I love being in the mountains, um, you know, I don't mind skiing in the mountains, but I much prefer the warmer weather, getting on my mountain bike. And uh, even now, I, I can't yet get on the mountain trails because there's still snow on there and this winter season is lasting forever. And there's a reason why Scripture talks about seasons. And I've actually encountered people that are visiting SunWest and it's like, you guys use the word seasons a lot. I haven't noticed that, but apparently people uh, that are visiting us or checking SunWest out, they hear the word seasons a lot. And so maybe we do talk about seasons a lot. I think there are seasons in the, in the Christ follower's life. There are seasons in every human being's life. And seasons describe this, this cyclical reality of life. And we find that actually challenging in the West, in the modern world, to wrap our heads around what it means to live a life of seasons. I want to talk just a little bit about uh, the concept of time and the concept of seasons and how our understanding of it actually shapes our expectation and disappointment when uh, we encounter certain seasons. You know, every year winter comes and I'm still disappointed when winter comes. And you think at this point in my life, especially growing up in Manitoba, that I would be used to winter and I would get over it, but it still disappoints me, still frustrates me. Uh, I, just, I just feel like we should, winter should be in the past and we should be forever moving into spring and summer. And that reflects more of a modern Western type of idea, that time is linear, that we are moving from point A to point B. But in the Eastern world, the world in which the script, these scriptures were written, they understood time in cycles. In fact, maybe a really easy way to think about this is in the, in the religion of Hinduism, right? They, where we get the idea of reincarnation, they think cycles, continual, continual cycles, right? 
And when you're done this life, you go on to another life and you have another cycle. And depending on how you lived in this cycle will determine what your life looks like in the next cycle. But this cyclical idea is an Eastern idea. But in Scripture, we find a relationship between linear thought and cyclical thought. And it's actually not one or the other. And so here I have a, I have a picture of what, we, what, we, what would be known as a helix, right? And so, um, so often we talk about the ups and downs of life. And, uh, and so in the, in the red and the blue there, you would see what is represented as ups and downs of life. All, every single one of us experienced this type of reality. And we see from left to right here this linear thought. And in our Christian life, in the life of humanity, uh, the Scripture tells us that history is going somewhere. There is a linear activity from point A to point B. There is Genesis and there is Revelation. There is something that God has started that God will complete. This is true. But it's, that idea is also embedded in the Eastern world that says there's cycles and seasons to life. And so what happens is we go through spring and summer and fall and winter and life is moving forward. But then we find that we're into spring, summer, fall, and winter again. And life continues to move forward. And so just like this black line in the picture, we find that we, we experience these cycles in life, but yet when we come back to winter, we're, still, we're not in the exact same place as we were last time. Is this making sense? And so as we think about the seasons and the shepherd and the sheep, The shepherd knew that there was seasons in life. The shepherd knew that he had to lead his sheep according to which season it was in. And that he was concerned about the future of this linear uh, idea of the sheep. His idea was to care for the sheep for the long haul. But in the midst of that, he knew that there were seasons that he had to lead the sheep through. And this is the context of Psalm 23, the context of a shepherd. And sometimes... We struggle, especially in the West, to understand the idea of seasons and cycles. You know, maybe it's, I don't want to get too philosophical, maybe it's because of, you know, our evolutionary uh, ideas in the evolutionary ideas in the West, that we think everything is just linear, that we continue to progress, continue to move forward, but we know that that's actually not true in our human experience. Things don't just get continually better and better and better and better. There's seasons of better, There's seasons of summer, but there's also seasons of winter. And we would do well to think of uh, what season we might be in and what God's response is to us in that season, how he leads us. You know, my, my... We have a CD that we play in our van. Um, We don't have a lot of CDs, but we just have like the same five or six CDs in our van uh, that never leave the van that we play over and over and over again. And our kids like know all the lyrics to all these CDs uh, really, really well. And my son Luke has a favorite song on one of these CDs, uh, and it's called uh, Deep Dark Valley. Uh, And it's written by an artist called John Bryant. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to play a bit of it here for you to get a feel for it, okay? There's a deep, dark valley there, my baby left 
goes down deep in my soul Just a little bit of heaven on a hellbound train It goes down deep in my soul Last few years went harder than most So oh, I miss my kin and I miss my coast there's a deep, dark valley that my baby left It goes down deep in my soul There you go. The, the whole song kind of feels like that. <clears throat> I love the song. It's dark lyrics. It's, uh, it's about a, a really bad breakup that John Bryant went through. <clears throat> and my uh, nine-year-old son just loves the song. He just belts it out in the car. It's a deep, dark valley that my baby left. Um, just something about it resonates with him. Uh, and so, so he's really into the song, and, and so he, his, his buddy had a birthday party at Lloyd's Roller Skating Rink, and he learned that they play music kind of in the background, and I, and I told him, I told him that sometimes they'll take requests and you can uh, dance to music. And he said, he said, I can't wait to get there and request Deep Dark Valley. And in my head, I just had, I had, just had this picture of people roller skating with the disco lights on, kind of uh, skating to that song. It's funny, but I, I, I think, it's, I think it's, a, it's just an interesting picture of sometimes how we are unwilling to recognize that there are certain environments and seasons where certain postures and attitudes are appropriate. Uh, and some people think the goal of the Christian life is to stay up in the mountain top. That Jesus the Good Shepherd is going to lead me to a mountain. We, use the, we even use the phrase mountaintop experiences. That Jesus is going to lead me to mountaintop experiences. Amen, and he will. But in the cycles of life, we never really stay there. And the point of the psalm is actually not to talk about the mountaintop experiences, but talk about the presence of the good shepherd that goes through all the different seasons of life with us. In fact, it can be extremely hard and difficult um, and dishonoring to people when we just assume that they should be in a mountaintop season when they might be in a deep, dark valley type of season. Uh, you know, even in the last few weeks, we've had a, uh, we've had a couple of SunWest families that have lost loved ones or parents. Those are deep, dark valley seasons. They don't feel like mountaintop seasons. Um, you know, do, do, does the follower of Jesus... Um, do we have the understanding of seasons and cycles that, like our Good Shepherd, we can actually be present with people in the valleys that they're in uh, without forcing them to think that they always got to be headed to the mountaintop? You know, and many of us are unhelpful companions when we force people to stay on the mountaintop in the season of winter. You know, we think of Humboldt that, that happened there a couple of weeks ago. We think of what happened in Toronto, that, that these are, on this side of heaven, these are the cycles of life that we live in. 
And here's what's incredibly important when we look at Psalm 23. Psalm 23 acknowledges the cycles of life. Psalm 23 acknowledges the seasons of life. You know, if you've ever been in that valley type of season and you, you felt like you didn't have space or a place to journey there here in this community, I'm sorry. Uh, we cannot force people through those seasons too quickly. But here's the good news of Psalm 23. The good news is that the good shepherd, Jesus, does not lead us to lie down in darkest valleys. What does it say? Even when I walk through. How does, how does Psalm 23 begin? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then it says, he leads me to lie down in green pastures. See, the Lord is always leading us to a place of rest. The Lord is always leading us to a place of refreshment. But the psalm, and David understands that we need to go through, often go through seasons in life where there's dark valleys. But he doesn't invite us to lie down in those dark valleys. And sometimes when we hit, when we hit those dark valleys in life, we feel like, I just want to lie down here and die. I want to make my home here. And some of us, find comfort in that darkness. And Jesus isn't inviting us to lie down in the darkness. He's inviting us to follow him through that darkness. And if you insist on staying in the darkness, then you'll find that your good shepherd often moves forward and you, maybe you will not be with him. Jesus says, surely I'm with you to the end of the age. Surely I'm with you. He gives the promise that he is with us. But he's always leading us forward. He's always leading us from one season to the next. And here's the very cool thing about Psalm 23. This is the point in the psalm where David moves from talking about God as third person to talking about God as second person. It is in the valley that you move from God being an idea to God being a reality in your life. It is in those deep, dark valleys where you're heartbroken, where you're hurting, where you've lost somebody, where you're struggling with addiction, where things just aren't going well in your marriage or with your kids or with your friends or at school. It's in that place that the invitation is to know the Good Shepherd, not just as an idea, but as a person. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. You are with me. It goes from the idea of the Lord is my shepherd. He's talking about this idea about God to now he's using the language of you. And how we orient ourselves towards God in these seasons will depend whether we move from an idea of God to an intimate relationship with God. I will not be afraid, for you are close behind me. So the anchor for David of his lack of fear is the presence of the good shepherd. There's a conjunction right there. I will not be afraid. What does it say? For. The reason that I'm not afraid is because God himself is with me. The source of no fear is the presence of God. And we just came out of the Easter season. And Easter tells the story of a God that came as a man, and he died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, and he was raised to life on the third day. 
If the resurrection is real, there is actually no need for us to fear. Death itself could not hold God. And if you're going to follow somebody, if you're going to be led by somebody, wouldn't you want to be led by the one that went through death and came out the other side? Resurrection hope, resurrection life. David was known as a man after God's own heart. But we see that even in his life that he experienced deep, dark valleys. He was pursued by Saul multiple times to be killed. King Saul, before he became king, tried to kill him. And a lot of the Psalms you read are in this place of despair. You know, he made a mistake and slept with a man's wife, Bathsheba. To cover it up, he killed Uriah, her husband. And then he raised a son, Absalom, who eventually rebelled against him and tried to take over David's kingdom. And Absalom, at the hands of David's own men, died in, in pursuit in, the, in a war. See, David knew the dark valleys of life. David knew what it meant to suffer the consequences of your own sin. David knew what it meant to be subject to the decisions of other people that are impacting you negatively, like with Saul. David knew the heartbreak of having children that rebelled against him and that he had to make hard decisions in the midst of that intimate father-son relationship. David knew it all. But David here in the psalm says, I have no fear. The creator himself, God himself, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the good shepherd is with me. This is even pre-Easter. How much more on this side of Easter do we get to say, I shouldn't fear? That death itself cannot hold me. And when you read through the New Testament, you see these disciples, these apostles, they had this bold, courageous faith that they were willing to die in followership of their good shepherd, Jesus. What gave them the courage to look fear in the face, to look death in the face and say, I'm not going to be afraid, but I'm going to stay with my good shepherd. I'm going to follow my good shepherd. It's because they were witnesses to the resurrection. Fear comes as a result of losing, of the sense of losing control or not having control. But, but here's the reality. And we're talking about this with our kids last week because uh, uh, some good friends of ours, their parents died and they were, they were asking you know, Dad, you're asking questions about death, and uh, and I hate. And I said to them, I was like, the reality is, I said, all three of you are going to die. Good parenting, one on one. You're going to die. Uh, and they're like, yeah, yeah, we know, we know. And, and it's and it's it, you know, it's an idea until you start to look death in the face, till death becomes a reality, and then it becomes this frightful experience because it's the one thing in life that every human being looks has going to have to look in the face at some point, and it's a prime example of us not having control of our own life. Sometimes we get lost in this idea that we have control of our life, but the reality is that none of us do. We don't. You don't. You actually don't have control of your life. You have decisions that you make that impact your life, that impact how you go through these seasons in life, but at the end of the day, you do not control the seasons. At the end of the day, no matter how, how bad I want summer to come, I cannot control the fact that summer, when summer comes, when winter comes. And so we can fight for control, and out of that we can experience fear, or we can give up control, and recognize that there's a good shepherd who's inviting us 
to give our lives over to him because he's ultimately the one that's in control of the whole universe. And this is the invitation of the gospel message. If you live your life in fear, if you wonder even what's going to happen to you after death, Jesus invites you to be his sheep, to, to give up the need of being your own shepherd, to give up control and say, I'm willing to be a sheep. I'm willing to be led by the good shepherd. I'm willing to follow the one that looked death in the face and came out on the other side of resurrection. I'm willing to put my life into his care. I'm willing in the deep, dark valleys of life to trust my shepherd to lead me through it. And I trust him that he's not leading me, me there to lie down there, but he's leading me through it to a mountaintop. And if you've never made that decision, maybe this morning is your opportunity to say, Jesus, I want to give control of my life to you. I'm done pretending like I have control. I'm going to surrender to the idea that I don't actually have control. And the reality is we're all going to die. And the, 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 the celebration of baptism in the Christian church is people choosing to die before their physical death. Do you know that? It's just saying, I don't actually have control over my life. I'm choosing to die today because I'm, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to live with God, and I trust that God is in control more than I am. And then we get to this point in the story where it says, your rod and your staff protect me. Your rod and your staff protect me. The rod and the staff are two different things. You see a picture there. One with the curve, that's the, the picture of the staff. And then you see the rod, it's a shorter stick. They're used for two very different things. You know, the, the staff is used to, to guide the sheep, to comfort the sheep. You know, when there's, a, when there's a stubborn sheep that's kind of finding its way away from the flock, that staff will, will hook them and guide them back into the flock. It's, it's, a, it's a symbol of comfort. It's a symbol of guidance. It's a symbol of God supporting us and being with us. And then you have the picture of the rod there, and it's shorter, and it's, you see it's, it's, it's kind of got a stump at the end of it. Because they would take a stick and they would cut it off right near the root where there's, a, uh, where there's kind of, it balloons out there at the end. And they would make it into this, uh, this kind of club-like piece because they would fight off predators with the rod. And they would also use the rod uh, as a point of discipline over the sheep. So the rod symbolizes authority, protection, discipline. You know, shepherds would practice throwing it and the shepherd would actually, when the sheep uh, come back into the fold, uh, at the end of the day, he would use the rod to count the sheep as they came back. You know, so the idea that, you know, in, in Luke 15, where, where it talks about the shepherd counting the sheep, this is actually what would happen at the end of the every day. The shepherd would count the sheep with his rod, and he would inspect the sheep. He would look over the sheep with his rod, and he would pull back the wool, and he would make sure that there wasn't anything, uh, any injuries or any... Uh, you know, thing that attached itself to the sheep, any parasites or, you know, maybe wood ticks or whatever. It would look over the wool of the sheep and, and inspect the sheep before it comes into the fold. These two aspects, the staff and the rod, represent two parts of God's character as a shepherd. Some of you guys grew up in church where you only understood God as someone with a rod. Your idea, of, your idea of God is that, 
that God is like this strict disciplinary person that is always inspecting and looking for what's wrong in my life. Uh, he uses the rod to discipline and to correct. And you didn't feel like you went to church until you, you felt like you got a spiritual spanking, right? Now I went to church. I even had people make those comments to me. You know, it just doesn't feel like church. You guys aren't like, you know, I need more wrath in my life. I need more, like I need a, I, I just need to be corrected and disciplined when I come to church on a Sunday morning. But some of us, we, we, we also have this idea of God as a, uh, we, we like the idea of God as a comforter. That God comes alongside, that he comforts us, that he guides us, that he, he pulls us in, that he loves us. And that's true. But both of these realities are true. Some of you follow a God who never disagrees with you. That is not the good shepherd in Psalm 23. If you have, if, if you're worshiping a God and you find that for some reason God always agrees with me. You know, he agrees with me on what I think about that person. Yeah, God totally agrees with me. What I think about church, what I think about the world, what I think about politics, how I understand sexuality, God agrees with me. How I understand, you know, when I'm right and I'm wrong, God agrees with me. And you find that in, never in your life or very seldom in your life do you feel like God is correcting you or disciplining you. <clears throat> Might I suggest that you're just following a projection of your own opinions and thoughts? See, God, the shepherd, the good shepherd, not only does he comfort us, not only does he guide us, not only is he with us, with his staff through the dark valleys of life, that is true. That is 100% true. But he's also the shepherd and you are not. He's also the one that disciplines. He's also the one that inspects. You know, and David understands as well in his psalm, he says, he prays to God and he says, God, search me and know me and show me if there's any offensive way in me. What is he, what is he doing? He's praying as a, as a sheep and he's saying, God, inspect me with your rod. Show me if there's any offensive way in me. Show me where I have actually rebelled against you. And I know that some this morning need to know God as comforter. You need to experience the staff of God in your life. And I'm here to share that good news with you and tell you that the promise of the gospel is that Jesus will never leave you. Jesus will never forsake you, that he is with you. If you're in the dark valleys of life, he's not leaving you there. He's guiding you through there. And there will be mountaintop experiences in your faith journey. And then he's going to guide you back down through those valleys and, he's, and you're going to go back home to the farm. And then in next year's season, he's going to guide you through them again. He's going to bring you back up to the mountaintop. And this, this cycle is okay. And this cycle is part of what the scripture speaks about. And the good news of the gospel is not that Jesus brings you to stay in the mountaintops forever. It's that God himself is with you. And so I pray that you would know that. And if you've never made the decision to follow the shepherd, I'm going to, I'm going to lead you in a prayer here as we close that you can do that. Some of you this morning... You know God is comforter. You know God's staff. You know that he's with you. But yet, 
you actually are not allowing room in your life for him to correct you. And this is an unpopular message in this day and age, and I understand that in a time and a culture of tolerance where, you know, you question anything and um, all of a sudden you're being religious. I'm not about being religious. I'm just about following Jesus. And Jesus wants to bring, uh, bring life. In John 10, it's another parable of shepherd and sheep. It says that there's a thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And you can reject Jesus. You can reject his ways. But don't be surprised if you experience that killing and that stealing and that destruction of the enemy that he brings in your life when you don't live a life of dependence on the shepherd. And maybe you're living in a place this morning where God needs to bring correction. Where there's hidden sin in your life that needs to be exposed and you need to let God deal with because it's bringing destruction to your life. Maybe God has something to say about how you're handling your finances. Maybe God has something to say about how you're leading your business. Maybe God has something to say about how you're leading your family. You know, I had to repent a couple of weeks ago to Lisa because of things that I've dropped the ball in with us as a family. And God takes his rod and he uses it to inspect me, to correct me, and then he invites us to live in the reality of the life that he's inviting us to live. But we have to give up control to do that. So would you stand with me? And as we pray, I'm going to pray around those two themes. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never handed control over your life to experience this full life, regardless of the winter, spring, summer, fall season that you might be in, this life that says the God himself is with me, I'm going to invite you to pray with me as we close. So God, we thank you that you are the good shepherd. We thank you that you humbled yourself. That you chose to take on this vocation as our shepherd. That you left your throne to be with us. And that your word says that you have sent your spirit, your very presence to be with us, to be in us, and that we have access to that if we want it. So Lord, for those who have never made that prayer or invited you to take control of their life, or maybe for us that have in the past, but we've taken back control, God, we just release control again. I invite you to pray in your heart with me if that's you. Father, I give you control of my life. I choose to be a sheep. I choose for you to lead me. Lord, would you be with me all the days of my life? Lord, would you correct me I'm sorry for the sin in my life, the rebellion in my heart. 
And I ask that you would forgive me. And I thank you for the forgiveness that you've given me because of the cross. And Father, I pray for those here that need to know the comfort of your staff, that you would draw close to them. I pray for those that grew up with this idea of you just being this disciplinary father figure that, that only has a rod. Lord, we pray that you would bring correction to that this morning, that they would experience your staff. Lord, for those who just think you bring nothing but comfort all the time, Lord, we pray that they would open their eyes and their hearts to the fact that you are a loving shepherd that brings correction for our good. And I pray for each person here, regardless of the season they're in, that they would sense your presence with them. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen. I'm just going to invite you to close your eyes just for one second. And as we think about seasons, uh, if you feel like you're in a winter season, if you're like, those videos of those kids... Even though they're funny, that's my heart. I'm like, Lord, how long till I have to wait till spring? If you feel like you're in that season, with your eyes closed, would you just raise a hand? Yeah. And if you raise the hand, you know, sometimes we sing lyrics. And we just sing the words and we don't pay attention to sometimes what we're singing. I want to read these words over you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God's perfect love is casting out fear. And even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of this life, I won't turn back. I know you are near. I will fear no evil, for God, the shepherd, is with me. And if God himself is with me, whom should I fear? You never let go through the calm and through the storm. Oh, no, you never let go in every high, in every low, in every season of life. Oh, no, you never let go, Lord. You never let go of me. And I can see a light that is coming for the heart that holds on. Lord, help us to hold on. It's a glorious light beyond all compare. And there's going to be an end to these troubles. And the end to those troubles might be tomorrow. They might be in a year, or they might be in eternity, but we know that there will be an end. But for now, I will live to know you here, where I am. You never let go through the calm, through the storm. You never let go in every high, every low. Lord, you never let go of me. Lord, I thank you for the truth that is in that psalm, that is in this song. And we just say thank you. We say thank you that you are the good shepherd, Lord, and that you are sovereign and that you are in control and that we do not have to live life fighting for control. And so, Lord, forgive us when we fight for control. Forgive us when we think that as sheep we know our own way when we don't. And we just individually and corporately come back to you this morning and say, Lord, would you lead us? Whatever season we're in, Lord, would you lead us? Lord, for those that are on the mountaintops right now, we say thank you. We say thank you for that life, that that expectancy, the faith. Lord, we need that. Lord, for those that are in valleys, for those that are in that winter season, 
Lord, we thank you for the reality that you are with them. We thank you for your, the rest of the flock that we experience in a new profound way when we're in those seasons, Lord. I pray that they would experience the, your love through your people that are around them. So God, we just say thank you. I ask that you continue to lead us and guide us as our good shepherd through whatever season we're in now. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite prayer teams forward. Regardless of what season you're in this morning, spring, summer, winter, fall, um, I would invite you to take advantage of the prayer ministry that we have at the end of every service. Uh, They want to celebrate with you. They want to maybe walk through the valley with you. They want to encourage you. Um, They want to seek the Good Shepherd together with you. Uh, And so uh, please take advantage of that on my right uh, and left. Uh, Also in the foyer, there's prayer ministry available there. Uh, Thank you for coming. Uh, We'll see you next week as uh, we close up our Sheepish series. And uh, Jamie Anderton is bringing the word next week. So uh, uh, looking forward to hearing Jamie Jamie preach. So uh, we'll see you guys next week.